Seems loud. Public you land. Have you two missed each other? No, not that well, much. I talk to him every day, I think, <laughs> when it's hunting season. I turned the gain up so you wouldn't have to talk as loud. Okay. So you could act like there was that bull out there at 80 yards screaming his head off last night. That was awesome. That was so awesome. The only guy I know that would fall asleep is from California. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the only guy you know from California. <laughs> John's like, yeah, <laughs> 7 o'clock. Yeah, I'm going to go to bed, guys. I'm looking like I could not sleep to that. I see those. I little, laid in bed for a while. Just see those little like... orange plugs in my little cup holder? Uh, yeah. Yeah, those are called earplugs. <laughs> <laughs> I had to put them in last night because I couldn't sleep. <laughs> to the RNA Outdoors podcast fueled by Ripcord Arrowrest and First Light Hunting Apparel. At RNA, we are public land DIY conservationists that love to share our passion for the outdoors. So join us and our team as we interview professionals in the industry to share insight knowledge that helps make hunters and anglers more successful. listeners, subscribers, and fellow outdoorsmen and women. This is your host, Lucas Paw, and I'm excited to tell you about some of the sponsors that continue to help make this podcast not only happen, but grow and thrive in this digital world of audio content. This podcast is brought to you by Ripcord Arrowrest, the bow hunter's number one fallaway rest on the market. Ripcord is known for 100% full-time arrow containment and their patented drop-dead brake system that eliminates launcher bounce back. Best of all, Ripcord is backed by their rock-solid guarantee. If the original owner has a part break for any reason, it will be repaired or replaced at no charge. And did I mention, Ripcord is located in southwest Montana, where all their products are made with pride in America. Check them out at ripcordrs.com and on their social media feeds. This podcast is brought to you by First Light Clothing and Hunting Apparel. Born in the Rockies in central Idaho, First Light's mission is to create simple yet proven versatile gear that provides comfort and performance in any situation while working to promote the pursuit of ethical hunting and stewardship. I recently joined the First Light Pro Staff team and have continued to be impressed year after year in their innovations in engineering and merino wool fabrics. Ten years ago, they started putting out wool fabrics with camel patterns, and immediately this changed the game. Since then, they offer multiple layering systems and kits in various proprietary patterns and continue to raise the bar with their competition. Find them online at firstlight.com or under their social media feeds. Go farther, stay longer. All right, welcome listeners. This is the RNA Outdoors, and uh, we are coming to you on location here in New Mexico. Uh, it is September 15th, opening day of the second season, 
here in New Mexico and uh, pretty excited, um, A, one, to be here and also B, to share it with two of my good friends uh, who have traveled quite a long ways to come down and try to help me find a, a good bowl here in New Mexico and make it happen. So we've got Mr. Ben Miller, now Colorado Springs native. Yeah, native of Colorado location. Springs. Born in Michigan, transplanted to Montana and Dillon, and now migrated to Colorado Springs. Was it, I mean... Well, you know, I thought living in a small city my whole life, there had to be something better out there. Yeah. So I thought, why not try a town with about just over half a million people? There you go. <laughs> She's right up your alley. I know how much you like people, so... Yeah. <laughs> And now when I go hunting, my wife sends me a picture of deer in the backyard that are laying down, and I'm on the side of the hill trying to find an elk. <laughs> <laughs> the temperature's about 20 degrees warmer, and yep. there's uh, 20 times more hunters. So I got what I asked for, I guess, and moved <laughs> to the big city. Yep. Well, it's good to have you here. And on my right is the Italian stallion himself, <laughs> martial arts extraordinaire. <laughs> And trad blow enthusiast, enthusiast, Mr. John Spazano. Welcome to your first podcast, buddy. Thank you, sir. Glad to be here. Yeah. So uh, John um, flew into Salt Lake, and I picked him up on Thursday on our way. Wednesday, it was Thursday, on our way through um, down here to New Mexico. And I've been kind of helping John. John reached out to me Quite a couple a years ago through uh, um, also another friend of the podcast, Mr. Ron Jones. And... Um, as we've just kind of got to know each other over the years, um, we've connected a few times and have taken you out and showed you a couple things. I'm not sure I've showed you much at all other than no, how lots. to wander around in the woods no, and lots. not find game. Lots but, for uh, sure. But uh, you've uh, you've definitely taken it to heart and um, you've been doing a lot of instruction and shooting every day and reading and just doing as much as you can to try to better yourself. It's tough when you live in the city, you know, when there isn't an archery shop around the corner. Yeah. So I'm doing the best I can. And we didn't say where John's from, but... Let's uh, not. Yeah. Better not. Probably better not to right then. Just concrete jungle. You said half a million people. and That's yeah, like we'll my block. Say, yeah. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> we'll just leave it at that. <laughs> so anyway, so yeah, so we're, uh, we're here in New Mexico and had kind of a fun morning, right? Yesterday we connected um, and I, you know, I, I wouldn't be right if we didn't talk a little bit about, um, you know, who we were hanging out with yesterday and that the day before. Pretty so great. I've been, um, I've been in communication with, um, Randy Newberg, who also drew the same tag as me in the same unit, which will remain undisclosed at this point. But, um, Randy had the first season tag and him and I had been talking quite a bit and, uh, we were actually able to uh, connect with Randy on Thursday evening, um, which, uh, they have been hunting here for, I think almost eight or nine days. And then uh, yesterday we were able to go out and uh, spot some elk for him uh, and uh, his uncle uh, who he's hunting with. And uh, I guess they were able to get in pretty close and get in about 20 yards. And Uncle Jim was able to draw back. First time he's drew back on a, on a bull elk and uh, didn't get a shot. But um, it was neat to sh- share a camp with Randy A. Yeah. Uh, and also we went to breakfast with them and we were pulling out maps and just you know, he'll listen to stories and just all the insight and stuff that that guy's got. He's in his got brain. a few stories. Yeah, it was neat. And then Ben showed up. Ben got to meet the crew and see all the gear laid out and the four llamas. And yeah, I woke <laughs> up extra early just so I could get a chance to to shake Randy's hand and all he's done for us outdoorsmen. I was yeah. not going to miss that opportunity. Yeah. And yeah, I got to 
watch the llama fight. Yeah, the llamas. <laughs> Everything the else. Uh, get loaded in the back of the trailer. That was pretty, so, uh, pretty comical. Missed the morning hunt, but. Saw your shirt there, public landowner. Randy's a, Randy's a big proponent of that. So, yep. so yeah, so we got to spend uh, part of the day with Randy and then we connected and uh, we found a nice place to camp last night and uh, were able to uh, kind of slip into an area and uh, actually got into some elk last night, which was actually kind of fun. John, was amazing to, for me because I never, yeah. I've never been, I never been within earshot of a actual live bugle. Yeah. So that was really amazing. Yeah, yeah, that was. I tell you, anytime, whether it's early season, late season, anytime that you're in the forest and you're either here an elk, see an elk, um, there's never a bad day where you're in the elk woods trying to get after elk and. Yeah, we found a cool place to camp, and uh, we picked up a few of the trail cameras that we had set uh, previously in July, and we said, well, let's go out and take a little walk. So we went out and took a little walk, and by golly. What do you know? We heard turkeys flocking their wings, and we heard elk, and we saw elk. Yeah. It was pretty cool. Yeah, it was pretty amazing. Yeah. Yeah, I think John kind of understated the the bugles he heard last night because... (laughs) I was adding up to years. I'm at 20 now, maybe 21, of bow hunting. And about 20 years ago was the last time I heard that many bulls screaming. And yeah. Back then I had to get home, though, because I had curfew and football practice. But yeah, it was we kind of uh, neat. We were actually just going into an area that we had been scouting previously and knew that it held elk. And we saw a small little maybe four or five-point raghorn and a couple cows. And... All of a sudden, we just started to hear the forest light up, and uh, so we all agreed, like, let's just try to back out of here and not blow this thing. So we start walking out and push a bull off to our right that had come in to probably about 40 or 50 yards, and we got back to camp, and uh, we could hear this one just screaming his brains out. Well, as luck would have it, um, we're basically parked and camped in an area where that bull decided he was going to do some breeding last night, so... Um, yeah, we were extra quiet. We were trying. We couldn't even really cook or eat anything last night because we literally had, you know, a bull probably out to 50, 60 yards yeah, just probably. out there screaming his, his guts out. Really close. <clears throat> and, yeah, uh, we'll have to get a picture of that for our for this podcast yeah, <laughs> just to have where, where the truck at. was and right. where right. that elk was. It was incredible. It was interesting, though, because, I mean, he was I mean he was getting after it. You could hear him glunking, and that was that's a sound that you rarely ever hear. Right, it's that sound when um, they're in the process of getting ready to breathe. They're, you know, they're. It's 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 a, it's a, it's hard to explain. It's almost like if you take a bottle of like water and turn it upside down, and it makes that yeah. bubbly sound. It kind of it kind of sounds like that. But they're, uh, you know, they're licking the air. They're after, um, you know, females that are hot and estrous, and that's the sound they make. And uh, you just, I've I've probably heard that a handful of times yeah. in the elk woods, right? Man. Not very often. And we were sitting here, and uh, that's about all you could hear between bugles yep. was him glunking. It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, we came. Lucas had some smoked tuna for us, and we, I was excited for dinner, and we couldn't even. <laughs> I mean, it was a black camp, and yeah, it, it was just incredible. It was awesome. Being right where the elk were. Yeah, literally. Yeah. And then he was bugling to another bull that came coming over the top of the ridge that was probably within 100 yards of our camp um and he he sounded like a good bull too i mean none of the bugles i've heard are bulls that i would not want to at least take a look at and see you know what does that bull look like right you know 
that you don't always judge them by their bugle, but some of them, when you hear the bugle, you're like, yeah, I need to, I need to lay some eyes on that <laughs> I animal. I need to confirm this. Yeah. <laughs> I need to see that. So yeah. And then this morning we got up and, and, uh, we all, I think we all slept pretty well. Oh and, yeah. Uh, we kind of did a similar routine. We just heard f- three or four bulls bugling and, um, we, you know, we did push a few elk, uh, first thing in the morning, knowing they were close, but didn't know they were that close. And, uh, what's interesting here is, is the weather is so warm that, uh, by about seven, seven thirty, those elk are just done bugling and they're already in their beds or close to their beds. And it makes it tough because it's hard to, it's hard to go after an elk you can't see, you know, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so we were, uh, we chased some bulls first thing this morning and, uh, uh, sat up on the ridge for a while, didn't hear any bugles, and decided to come back to camp. And uh, here we are. Finally got that dinner in us yeah. for lunch today. Yeah, <laughs> had a little dinner lunch. But, yeah, so uh, maybe we'll take it back a little bit, though, and um, and talk a little bit about kind of my relationship with, with John and Ben and kind of how we've all met and kind of how we've gotten here today. I, You know, Ben and I have been elk hunting for quite a few years now, and have been friends and friends of friends and family brothers and Ben's sister and went to school with my brother. So we've all kind of had a connection over the years, but, uh, always seems like when elk season comes around, you and I figure out a way to get together. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Whether it's Montana or here in New Mexico. Yeah. Keep in contact through the year and all the expeditions you're going on. And I try to keep you and, tune with what i'm doing scouting looking for horns and everything else and then seems like about august 15th we talk to each other every day (laughs) every two days closing in (laughs) yeah trying to figure out this year was neat september no august 15th yeah august 15th we met up down here set some trail cameras he came over from that other state and then i drove down and (laughs) met up with uh our buddy jimbo another guy that lives in the area jimbo gonzalez and we uh just basically did some scouting in a new area we've never been to and we just had a great time for three days and here we are in september and our scouting paid off officially in elk camp officially yeah. able to fling arrows this time <laughs> yeah Not just look at them yeah yeah I just so, listen yeah i'm excited for the next five days out here and happy to have john in camp getting getting to know him you uh you've recently uh, transplanted over to Colorado so you're kind of figuring out some new hunting access over there huh yeah yeah we're got finding people to hunt with is always the hardest part but I think I got a guy dialed down there and we're uh learning new areas he's a bow hunter also he is yeah he's a big bow hunter he just moved into Colorado as well so we're kind of learning together and um finding out that there's a lot of hunters out there there is some milk to be had um obviously it's been warm there this year but that's not an excuse they don't disappear you just got to go find them yeah but when they're silent um it's harder to find them before they see you coming or hear you coming yeah we've kind of bagged it for the week or for well maybe even the season just because well i'm down here and season ends up there and uh um end of september so oh, you'll have another maybe week or weekend to yeah. get out and try to push some elk around yeah the thing about colorado is though i mean any given weekend you could have a rainstorm down in five thousand feet and you could have snow pushing in at eight nine thousand feet and it's 
really easy to be at 11,000 feet hunting elk in Colorado. So one storm could be the difference, you yeah. know, yeah. at one time. Yeah, and keep talking to people around work and stuff, they're, yeah, you, everyone travels quite a ways from Colorado Springs, but the guys that actually been staying right there are the ones actually getting into the most elk, so. Sure. And we got Pikes Peak, which is 14,000, so there is a little elevation there. Yeah. But, yeah, just a learning curve, so. Cool. Always cool to move to new places, hunt in new places, see new things. I've hunted oh, yeah. Colorado quite a few times. I never hunted that part of Colorado, but um, know of a lot of people that do and are very successful in that area. So, well, Colorado's supposed to have the largest the largest herd, right? Yeah, yeah. largest population <laughs> elk and is in Colorado. Is it three four hundred thousand elk? I or? think it's. I thought it was one hundred ninety thousand. Then I heard two hundred seventy thousand. Yeah, it's a hundred thousand more than the next state, and I'm still trying to figure out where the heck they are. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Well, they're out there. They're out there. <laughs> Problem is, they're on all that private property and all those units you have to draw tags in. So. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, Mr. Spazano. Yes, sir. First podcast. Yeah. You've glad been, to be here. You've been uh, you've been very patient and trying to kind of learn the ways of of all this outdoor. It's tough, man. It's hunting. tough to be patient. Yeah. Time's a wasting. Yeah. It's, <laughs> you kind of come at it a little differently. Um, you know, you've been an outdoors guy and you've you've obviously hunted in your life you know you said your brother's hunted but yeah you've kind of taken it more to a different level here recently in the last couple of years and um you know you talk about it you're like i'm trying to play catch up because you know i'm midlife now yeah and i wish i would have done this like 20 years ago right? 30 yeah 30 years ago <laughs> or longer yeah. but uh is it uh are you are you finding it enjoying that you're kind of taking up this new passion and hobby oh yeah yeah i love it i love getting out in the woods um, I love the bow. I shoot a, I shoot a trad bow, so it's, it's a bit different. Um, it's a lot, it's a lot of practice for me. Sure. I'm not a natural archer, you know, some guys are just naturally gifted in whatever mm-hmm. undertaking they might try and I'm not, Yeah, you know, so it, it's, it's a lot, it's been a lot of work, certainly equal parts frustrating as, as exciting. But a couple of years ago, I got turned on this guy, Tom Klum out of, out of, uh, Denver, outside Denver, and uh, he's really helped me a lot. Uh-huh. He, he's, his coaching has really helped me a lot. And what, when you were kind of going down this path, I mean, clearly you can take a couple directions. I can be a rifle hunter, I can be a compound guy, or I can basically take it to the farthest end of the spectrum and be a trad guy where it's, you know, I mean, you could argue it's probably one of the most challenging, you know, ways to harvest an animal. What what attracted you to the trad bow versus any other method of take? I think the simplicity of the weaponry is really fascinating to me. And, and, and I'm not like a, I'm not like a you know, self bow guy, you know, where I'm taking a piece of Osage and making a bow with a, you know, some deer gut or something like I'm, I'm not that traditional mm-hmm. or I'm not that primitive. Yeah. So my bow has, you know, fiberglass backs and it's, you know, it's relatively fast. I mean, not compared to a compound, but relatively fast for a trad bow. And, um, but still in the end, it's, it's, it's just simple. It's a stick and a string and another yeah. stick with a point on it. And, um, I like that. But that's the part that I find interesting when you come up and visit and I just hold your bow. It's like, there's no rest of it. It's like, where's the cam? Where's the serving? No, it doesn't have any of that. It's basically well, a piece of serving. Yeah, it doesn't have a serving. Yeah, yeah. 
it's just it's so simple yeah and which is. is the part i think that's most attracted to me is that it is so simple like yeah if something happens to it you probably know how to fix it yeah. because it's not very technical yeah you know? but ironically the simplicity of it is what makes it so hard to shoot consistently because there are no pins and there are no camps and there's none of that stuff so it it makes the actual shooting consistency harder because it's simpler a simpler tool if sure. that makes sense yeah yeah so when you and i have been getting out in the woods a little bit um yeah it's this been awesome fall or the spring turkey season went for turkeys opening I day <laughs> totally blew it took you out and uh it was pretty hilarious we yeah, were totally blew it. just a little public strip of land that uh holds actually some some pretty good turkeys yeah. and uh we were able to gobble in uh well, by we, you mean you. Well, you did all the work, got him in right. close, and then I just sat there. It was a lot of fun because I was sitting there watching, and uh, we got this We got this probably three- to four-year-old gobbler coming in. He's probably got an eight- to ten-inch beard, and uh, I'm just sitting there just doing some soft yelps, and I got decoy set up, and uh, he's pushing his hens through. So I'm looking at John, and John's probably, I would say, 40, 50 yards behind this little bush. And I'm looking at him, and I'm like, I'll get ready, and I'm video, and all of a sudden, he just comes strutting in, poofed out, and he's going around the decoys. <laughs> so I'm sitting there videoing. Waiting for my arrow to go through him. And I'm looking at John, and John's sitting there knelt, and he's I'm left-handed. Like, what the? So he's pinned behind this piece of sage, and I'm literally sitting there with the video camera, and I'm going like this, like... <laughs> for those of you that can't see it, but I'm actually like, pull your bow back and shoot this damn thing. And uh, it was one of those cases of not doing enough animal behavior research because I watched this turkey. I was like, what the hell is he doing? And I just watched for so he's long. Like puffed up. And he's yeah. fanned out. And he's just, he's just strutting around. Oh, he's my got God. His, he could have killed him five times. He's got his part. heads there. And uh, John just didn't, like you said, he didn't understand or know the behavior of the turkeys. Which, and, and I also hadn't practiced shooting from a kneeling position. So yeah. I was, it was like a double whammy. And it was a small target. I mean, it wasn't that far away, but it is a small target. Yeah. And uh, uh, so, I, of course, I went home after that trip and practiced you know, shooting my bow kneeling, I was like, oh, it's easier shooting at kneeling than standing. So, yeah. yeah. No, it was so a lot, it was a lot of fun. So, yeah, so he blew off and then actually called him back again. And then those hens came up to you yeah, probably about like she, she three or four yards. Yeah. And wow. uh, she was like, they busted. Yeah. Damn but it, it was like your first yeah. close encounter. I yeah. Mean, yeah. It was fun. A turkey is even, even a turkey is something that, you know, you look at it and you're like, oh, it's a turkey, but it gets your heart racing. It was fun. Yeah. yeah it was a it lot gets of you fun. Going. When all you've done is either bought food at the store or seen hunting shows or seen, you know, gone to the zoo, I don't know. You know, when all that's, when that's all you've ever done, seeing it live in person 15 yards away is, you know, pretty amazing no matter what the species is. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so then uh, you and I kind of got connected again and we started hunting pigs. Yeah. Um, took you out um, to a property and, uh, you know, we we hunted there and weren't really successful. And then, uh, we got onto another piece of property and we're able to get you. It's, it's kind of been a stage thing with you. It's <laughs> Total been baby steps. <laughs> it's been, uh, it's been shooting your bow and then it was getting you close to the Turkey. And then we, with the whole pig thing, it's of course that's getting really close. And, uh, here, what, about a month ago when you came up, yeah, about uh, a month, yeah. we got you pretty close, got really close, uh, close enough for me. I and just, uh, you let an arrow, I go. just blew the shot, shot a little high. Yeah, but yep. but it was awesome letting the arrow go. It was awesome being that close. Yeah. I mean, even just sitting on that watering hole for that long. I mean, we saw a doe and her fawn come in. They never saw us. We saw this little fox go by, and he was kind of like, what is that over there? Kind of yeah. saw us and wasn't sure. Coyote went by about 30 yards away. Yeah. 
tons of stuff just going by while we're sitting there. It was yeah. great. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. So we've now got you to the point where it's you know, it's it's time. It's time to it's time to put an arrow through something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so so the rest of the year, do you, do you have any plans? Additionally, you know, you and I are going to get out and try to chase some more pigs. It'd maybe be, it would be once great. Or twice yeah, this year it'd be great to try to chase pigs again once or twice this year, depending on how our schedules link up. Yep. I'm definitely going to be going to the Pacific Northwest uh, to go for blacktail deer. Probably er, first in Oregon with a, a friend up there, and then uh, later in November um, on a friend's property in Washington. Okay. Um, so my, my friend in Oregon is a very experienced trad bow guy, and he's blacktail nut, so he knows just how to do it, and he's going to teach me a lot about how to, how to hunt them, and especially with the, with the trad bow. Um, I think he's a longbow guy too, actually. I don't think he's a recurve. I think he's a longbow guy. Um, and then hopefully by that point, Maybe we'll have some success in Oregon, and I'll be able to go up to Washington with some more confidence that I can do it alone. Because right now, you know, when we go for pigs, I'm I'm fully dependent on you. Yeah. You know, I mean, I'm shooting the bow, but you know, you're finding the spot, and you you know, you're doing all the hard sure. work. You know. Yeah, but that's a part of it. I mean, it, it's it is baby steps, but if you have someone there to help you and show you how to do it. You can learn so much quicker than yeah. I think of a lot of guys that, you know, have come to me and say, man, you know, how do you, how do you kill a bull elk? And it's like, well, it's, Hey, it's a lot of years of <laughs> yeah. hunting elk, yeah. right? Rifle, archery, whatever. I mean, every season their behaviors are different, but, um, you got to understand the animal, right? You got, you just got to know their tendencies. You got to know what they do. You got to hunt them. And, uh, you, most people just don't go in buy a bow off the shelf and go in and just shoot an elk their first season. It happens. It we, happens. we hear stories of people happening. Right. But, you know, generally they say, you know, statistically it's about 10% right. of the population actually harvest a, an elk. So, you know, it, it'll take you, you know. Is that 10% of the population or 10% of the hunters that go out? 10% of the hunters based yeah. on that that population. So, yeah. you know, if there's 1,000 tags, essentially, 100. you know, 100 people are going to be successful. Are gonna right. be successful. Right. And that's, that's just general general averages across the states but um you know one out of ten people are going to kill an elk so it's not it's the greatest odds no not it's not good. the greatest odds especially for the beginner <laughs> yeah. yeah who's shooting a longbow yeah <laughs> yeah but it's a progression and and i think the more you get out like you're doing you're you're getting away as much as you can within reason you have yeah. a life you have a business and yeah. a family so that that you know that obviously is important but the more opportunities you can get out and and get in the outdoors and just again just study animals see what they do see their behavior i mean that that's how you're gonna yeah. you know have those close encounters eventually it's gonna happen for you that's why i was so excited to come out here and spend you know a few days with you i was hoping to spend more time um but yeah at least just just a few days is gonna be great i mean even just last night hearing all those bulls bugling was just awesome yeah well i tell you there's there's a lot of animals you can hunt but there's really nothing like hunting in september i mean no, to me no. it's you know, and being in the Rockies with an elk tag in your pocket chasing elk is there's there's just no other animal that, you know, I mean, deer grunt and bleat, you know, when they when they have their breeding season and, you know, like red stags roar, which is kind of cool. But there's just nothing like, you know, an elk just bugling down a canyon that just carries all the way down yeah. the canyon that, yeah. I mean, every time it, it sends, you know, it's cool. a shockwave down your back. You're just like, man, I love Every that. time. That's never really got cool. old. Never, never gets old. Never right? does. Days are warm. Nights are cool. <clears throat> it's just perfect. Every yeah. Day. Yeah. Yeah. So we're, uh, like I say, we're here on day one and, uh, it's a, it's a 10 day season. So I'm hopeful that, um, 
you know, these guys can be here with me when when we harvest. We've got a pretty good plan for this evening, we think, if we put the elk to bed where we think they they went. And, um, you know, our tactic here isn't to go in and get on them, you know, at 10 o'clock or, mid, you know, midday and try to cow call them out of their bed. I, I just think it's too warm. They're not talking. I think the, the best the best strategy is is to try to get them in the evening or in the morning when they're moving off water, moving off feed, and uh, just try to get one close. And hopefully, if we can pull one in, it's a good bull, yeah. right? Yeah, we got to pull the right one in this morning. We learned in a hurry that uh, we had till seven oh seven, I think, was yeah, the last bugle. Yeah. yeah, and it was daylight at six twenty ish, six twenty four. Yeah. Shooting and light, so we our window's narrow. It's yeah, gotta, it's got to happen quick, and then that bull started coming out of the canyon. Oh, six, six o'clock, yeah. six forty-five last yeah. night. So yeah, short. Which windows. is probably more promising, right? Because I think the evening window might be longer. If we get in the right canyon, if we're right. if we're if we're in there and uh, you know close to them, we start popping a few cow calls that could get him there real quick yeah you know versus him coming taking his leisure and coming down and maybe pushing a few cows it i would have thought we would have heard some cow mews last night which we didn't but it doesn't mean there wasn't any cows there because he Mm -hmm. was definitely he was definitely moving around but um yeah i think i mean it's it's september 15th and uh there's we're on about day eight or nine up and up until a full moon i think we're at like a almost half crescent right now so um it's from a from a logistical standpoint and anatomical standpoint i mean it, it's it's the best time to be out you know in the field right now um you know and hope is is that these dates line up with a good rut yeah. that's just the hope but after what we've heard um you know from from randy's standpoint you know when we talked to him you know they just didn't hardly hear any bugles they didn't see much at all and they were really struggling you know for the first part anything they said for the first how long yeah the first seven days they did said they didn't see a legal bull on public land so um in most of the areas that randy and i were scouting were similar i mean we were basically in the same very similar areas which made me feel good that i was looking in the right areas when we kind of compared notes but uh yeah, I was kind of bummed that they weren't able to, to connect on an elk, but um, it sounded like they had a good experience. And, you know, like I said, um, you know, Randy's uncle Jim had never hunted elk with a bow before, and that was one of his dreams. And, that smile on his face yeah, was pretty great. Yeah, he was he was pretty grateful for that, So, which is what it's all about, right? I mean, at the end of the day, it's not always about the harvest, but that's definitely, in my opinion, what I call the gravy on top is when you can put some elk meat in the freezer and mm-hmm. feed, feed somebody for for a whole year so anyway what else guys oh i was gonna mention he just relies on you to all to do all the scouting and stuff and when you get old like us and have done it for a while so that's the really an enjoyable part of the hunting trip you'll you'll learn that turning people onto it well no going to washington and you'll be scouting doing some uh looking on google earth and figuring out some points and yeah, figuring out where you need to put your apples for your deer. Right, but it right. is Washington, so they probably got plenty of them out there. <laughs> <Right>. Yeah, <laughs> Washington <laughs> apples. No, this the the scheming is also part of the the fun of this hunting sport yeah, too. Yeah. So, well, when you draw some of these tags, it's I mean, it's it only does justice for you to spend time because you think about the investment you put in, right. you know, getting here. You know, obviously the cost of the license and the tag. Um, you know, the food, just everything that yeah. it takes into consideration to do these trips, time away from work, time away from family. So um, you definitely want to put in 
you know, some time and effort to make sure that you're, you know, you've, you've at least stacked the chips right. to the farthest in your favor. level yeah. in your favor as you can yeah. um, versus just kind of coming in blind. That was part of the reason why Ben and I made a trip out here about a month ago just to see the landscape. Yeah. And, you know, this canyon we're in right now, him and I saw it, and we were like, man, we got to come back here. Right. And, and uh, sure enough, I mean, we're sitting here now, and, uh, you know, like I said, last night there were two or three good bulls, and this morning there was at least four different bulls, you know, screaming their guts out in this canyon yeah, so so it was a good choice it was yeah one of a few we have in our back pocket we if hope you, if or when you come to new mexico elk hunting you will be impressed and yeah for some reason some of the little canyons don't hold elk and some are covered with them like the one we found yeah well i tell you i've elk hunted in quite a few states but i've never elk hunted in new mexico and it's this this landscape is incredible it's stunning i mean to be in a place in september where you couldn't even light a match and anything would light on fire. I mean, everything is so green and lush here. Yeah. Water, um, it, it's just beautiful. And, uh, you know, the pinion juniper, there's a lot of park meadowy areas where you have visibility. You can see, you can glass. I mean, it's it's just, uh, it's an unbelievable state to hunt in. And yeah, I, like I said, I've hunted in Arizona, um, I hunted Colorado, Montana, Idaho, and um Never hunted New Mexico and very impressed with, with uh, like say, the topography and the landscape here. Yeah, I'm looking forward to, hopefully someone will call me or something if they draw a tag, or hopefully I'll draw a tag. Yeah, I might have to start applying here. Get yeah. to call Lucas and have him come help me out, or Jimbo just down the down the road. Yeah. No, this is a, obviously a, a beautiful area, a great place, and uh, I'm not sure there'd be anywhere else I'd rather be. I don't, definitely not at work. I think this definitely <laughs> yeah. trumps work. I think we're so. all in agreement on that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, gentlemen, we've been rambling for about 30 minutes. we got to do a little reconnaissance this afternoon and then uh, maybe take a little nap or a siesta and then uh, put our game plan together. So, anyway, I just I know from my standpoint, I've told you guys this, but I you know I appreciate having you guys here. And Love it. Appreciate you guys helping me out. Um, Absolutely. You know, I can do this stuff by myself, but it sure makes it a lot funner when i got someone here to enjoy the moment with. Oh, so. yeah. Show off all the toys you bought over the last year oh yeah for couple, hunting camp a <laughs> couple things over the last year some stuff is a little old but yeah the old truck she's uh she's still doing all right the truck is awesome get washed here in about another four months when hunting season's over so <laughs> yeah it's good being in camp with you as always sorry i yeah. missed you in montana but hopefully we can get her done here in the next week and yeah have good stories for for next year yeah Absolutely. John, thanks again. Thank you, sir. Great being here. Glad to be here. Introductory intro podcast. (laughs) Inaugural podcast. Inaugural, yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, great, guys. We're going to sign off here from New Mexico. Um, Hopefully, uh, next time we talk, if we do in the next day or so, hopefully we'll have some uh, elk antlers on top of the truck and meat hanging. Yeah. The one that kept me awake all last night. (laughs) (laughs) I just want to see him. You know, it's like, I just want to see him. It's like, okay, yeah. Because you hear them and you're like, I want to go see that. But then sometimes you see it and you're like, yeah, okay, that's not the one I'm looking for. I'm but not that guy. Yeah. but Like I said, one day I'll be as picky as you. Yeah. <laughs> well, you get, you, you'll get to that point. Yeah. yeah. Maybe you will. Some people don't. But And anyways. yeah, to clarify, this is a hunt that it's not quite a meat hunt. It's more of a you do look for... Yeah, uh, yeah, nicer. Yeah, yeah and I mean, sized like, racks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And in and, and a unit like this, it's a it's a limited entry draw, so you're you're going to be a little picky to start. Yeah, and then sure. as the season winds on, you know, if if something walks out that looks appetizing, you know, it, it's probably going to eat an arrow. But for the first three to four days, I'm definitely going to yeah. pick over pick over a lot of elk and 
try to find something that, uh, you know, trips my trigger because you just never know tags like this. You could never draw them again in your yeah, life, yeah, you know, or right. you could draw it five more times in your life. It just, you just don't know. New Mexico doesn't have a point system. So, um, it makes it tough for non-residents to, to, to draw tags here, but I got lucky and I was yeah. fortunate they pulled my name and we're here. So yep. nothing wrong with a little yeah. luck. No, got to have some of that on our side. Hopefully we'll have some on our side yeah. tonight. So Give it our best effort and see where it ends up. Mm-hmm. That's right. All right, guys. Well, we're going to sign off from El Camp here in All New Mexico. Right. Thanks, John. Thanks, Ben. Thank Thanks, you. Lucas. All right, guys. Talk to you later. Yep. And we'll catch you guys for another adventure on the RNA Outdoors podcast. Hey, everyone. This is Lucas Paw, host of the RNA Outdoors podcast. Please check out Podbean and iTunes. If you have an iPhone or iPad, go to the podcast app on your device, search for RNA Outdoors, and hit the purple subscribe button. When doing this, it will automatically upload when new podcasts are loaded, and they will download into your queue. For Android users, you can access the podcast through Podbean, Stitcher, or use our website, www.rnaoutdoors.com forward slash podcast. In addition, under the RNA Outdoors podcast channel, please leave a review and a five-star rating. These reviews help boost our popularity and outreach. You can also follow us on our social media outlets, Twitter at RNA Outdoors, Facebook, RNA Outdoors, and Instagram, Rod and Arrow Outdoors. All links are in the show notes as well. If you like what you've heard, we hope you'll pass along our channel to your friends and colleagues. Keep up the good fight. We cannot sit by and watch the public lands devoted to wildlife protection wither away. There's simply too much at stake. Make your voice heard, speak up, and get involved with conservation efforts. And know that every little bit helps. As we say on the mountain, go farther, stay longer.